We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp Nou. If you haven't done so yet or are new here to the pod, please consider subscribing via iTunes at tbpod.link backslash iTunes or other podcasting apps that you may be getting the pod from at Stitcher or SoundCloud or particularly tbpod.link backslash subscribe will get the job done too. That is again tbpod.link backslash subscribe. You can follow our show with the show notes at tbpod.link backslash 46. That is, again, tbpod.link backslash 46. Of course, this is Dan Hilton here, joined, as always, by Frances Tomas, of course, across the ocean. Frances, we have a special interview today, so we're going to have a different structure to the day, and you can still let us know what's going on, though. Yes, we are. We do have a fantastic interview today with Gabriel Quiroga from our friends at Barca Talk. That's at Barca Talk Pod, if you follow us follow them on Twitter or you want to follow them, which I really, really think you should do. Um, before we got into that, though, we've got an incredibly long iTunes review that um, I was honored to read yesterday morning uh, that was left in the USA iTunes store uh, by Ferrarito Cayo Drift. I think that's, that's, that's how you say it. Ferrarito Cayo Drift wrote, A podcast for, of the Cules for the Cules by the Cules. A brilliant podcast. This is a must listen for current and future FC Barcelona fans all across the globe. The host Francesc and Dan provide a comprehensive, in-depth analysis of matches, player performances, movements concerning the board, local fan reactions, transfer rumours and more. Frances, being a Barcelona native and FCB supporter for life, provides valuable local views and information foreigners like myself can never know about. Dan, on the other hand, is adept at indicating key points when reviewing a game using accurate statistics and highlights. That's really kind. Thank you very much. The ratings of players for each match generates discussions and debate, which deepens one's love for football and for the club. Another characteristic of the podcast is the listener fan questions, where the hosts do their best to answer as many questions posed to them via Twitter, Facebook and the Barcelona blog, so barcelona.com. Personally, I have the distinct privilege of Dan and Frances answering many of my questions that I posted on Twitter, which shows how much the two hosts care about the listeners. There's nothing more pleasing than having your name be called in the podcast and be given a very satisfying response to your questions. One of the recent highlights of the podcast I'd also like to mention is that both hosts, despite an emotionally turbulent period, remained impartial to explain the recent Catalan referendum and how it affected the club, which was greatly appreciated in an age of fake news and biased reporting. There are many other positives I'd like to mention, but in total, the Barcelona podcast, which I've been listening since episode one, thank you very much for that, that really is awesome, is the go-to podcast for anyone already a fan of FC Barcelona and those interested in learning about the world's best club, Forza. Uh, Ferrarito, that is that is gorgeous. I'm, I'm, I don't have words to describe it. Um, we work so hard to make this podcast come to you every single week and um, having listeners like yourself being so kind back to us it really means the world um if anyone else wants to leave a review just tap on your iphone or ipad right now and go down to reviews uh, alternatively you can go into the internet tvpod.link forward slash itunes reviews that is tvpod.link forward slash itunes reviews so in episode 46 of the barcelona podcast we're going to have la entrevista with gabriel quiroga as we described earlier then we're going to move on to la pregunta which is, will Barca win La Liga this season? 
Dan is going to bring us the data stats from La Tabla and in La Bolsa, in the trading up, trading down, Barca stock market, we're going to be looking at the best players of the week. And last but certainly not least, we've got La Ronda, which is a quick fire listener questions. Thank you to everyone that has sent a question. The Barcelona podcast 46 starts right here. And we won't waste any time. I also want to personally say thank you for that review on iTunes. And we do appreciate all the positive feedback we're getting from everybody after all of these months. But without further ado, it's time to hear again from Gabriel, who spoke with Frances. And again, to follow them on Twitter, that's at Barca Talk Pod. And they are Barca Talk Podcast. So again, without further ado, let's hear the interview. Right, so as I've mentioned, this is the impressive part of the show today, so everyone listen up. Uh, we are honored and we are privileged to be joined by Gabriel from the Barca Talk podcast. Um, we have been looking for this interview for a long while and uh, we are delighted that Gabriel has agreed to be with us. Gabriel, how are you today? Francesca, I'm doing well. I'm here in Madrid, um, just kind of winding down my day and looking forward to talking to you a little bit more about our team, FC Barcelona. That is great. A um, little bit of background here. We actually, normally when we record interviews, it's normally over Skype, but I'm um, actually, I was lucky enough to meet Gabriel last week when he came to London to visit. So um, I have to say that we're becoming really good friends, um, not just on the online space, but actually in person, which is, which is great. So uh, let's get with it then. Gabriel, where does your passion for Barca actually come from? So, you know, when I was growing up, I played football my whole life and... Um, in the States, we didn't really have um, TV stations that played live football from all over the world. But towards the end, around 1999 or so, um, I remember Fox Sports World used to play um, World Football Leagues. And one of the teams they highlighted, obviously, was FC Barcelona. And at that moment, too, is when Ronaldo, the original one, the fat one, was the phenomenon from Barcelona. And so I was immediately, I fell in love with him. And so from then on, my passion from Barca began. And obviously now with the, in living in the States and so forth, the soccer, um, the soccer passion has grown. And now there's multiple ways to watch uh, La Liga games. And so that just developed even more. And especially when I came to Europe for the first time and I went to the Camp Nou, that just even, you know, I'm Kule for life now. That's it. So that's where it came from. Just from playing, my father, uh, watching some football, just trying to watch football outside of the U.S., and that's where it really came from, Francesc. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. So I think you mentioned something quite interesting there. Um, you live in Madrid and you're a Barca fan. So how is that like? Yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting. You know, it's um, when I first moved here, um, most people would ask me if I was politically driven that way. And for me as an American, that was quite unique because in the States, we don't really join our politics with our sports as much as they do here in Europe with football. So that was the first thing. And the second thing, especially living in Madrid, there was tons of Real Madrid fans that I met with um, and became friends with. And so every time we would watch matches together, you know, we obviously had different uh, teams that we were rooting for. So it just created a fun environment. For the most part, my friends here that are Real Madrid fans are pretty open-minded and they know that, you know, my Barca fandom comes from a weird place and it's not something that um, I kind of chose. So, but it works out. I've told um, some really great stories on, on my podcast about my viewing experience here in Madrid. I'd kind of pick and choose when to go to the bar. I usually watch at home and I just, you know, I try not to get in too much trouble, Francesc. You know, I, I, you know, I, I want to live here for a long time, but I also, I'm never afraid to show my Kool-Aid pride for sure. Of course, of course. And sometimes I find myself as well. Um, when I've been here in London watching bars, I have to keep it low-key, but obviously living in Madrid, it can be much more contentious, put it that way. Um, so moving swiftly on then, what is your view on Messi's contract negotiations? Because obviously living in Madrid, you may get your news from Marca or us or definitely Telemadrid, um, and they've got a different opinion in there. So having heard all of that or hearing all of that on your day-to-day -day life, what is your view on Messi's contract right now? So I think it's definitely kind of um, a scary moment right now because if nothing happens, Messi can walk for free, right? So we don't get anything in return. And that's always kind of the scary uh, outcome that could possibly happen of, from this. 
but I usually get my news um, from watching television. I love watching the sports show here. I just think it's fascinatingly different from how sports is covered in the U.S. Because, for example, I usually watch Deportes Cuatro. That's my favorite because it's almost like a soap opera, right? And the way they, they highlight Barcelona and Madrid as these two you know, opposite teams. And obviously, it's going to give a point of view of Madrid. But they have been talking all, you know, I want to say since last spring about Messi's contract and how that it hasn't been officially signed pen to paper. And I know on your podcast, you were talking about, you know, Bartomeu just keeps saying, yeah, it's already done. And you're telling me that Messi can't just walk up to the press conference room, do the official handshake and, and uh, signature and just move on. And, and as all Kules, we will feel so much better just knowing that he's going to be uh, in Barcelona for life, you know, because he's pretty much going to sign a life contract, like just like Iniesta. So I usually get my news from Marca. Um, I usually also get it from El País too sometimes, but mostly from the from the sports shows here because I just love the way they cover the, the football. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you said about the soap opera. Um, for our listeners that have in a way never been to Spain, um, what they do is they've got um, Telenoticias, which is the news, but they make it last like an hour. They do that in Cuatro and they do that in La Sexta as well. And what they do, they've got sort of national news and international news for around 30 minutes. And we've got 30 minutes of sports. And as you say, they, they do turn into the soap opera. They start shouting at each other. They start debating and they tease the news. They don't just tell you what happened. They give you like five seconds. Then they cut for an ad break and then come back to it, which is, which is absolutely nuts. Um, so let's move on to the next question then. Uh, we've talked a little bit about money um, in terms of Messi's um, contract. If money was not an object at all, which player who is not currently at Barca would you sign? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think signing players, especially attacking players, is like the sexiest thing, right? That's what everyone wants. Everyone wants the Coutinho's, these type of players that are going to electrify or attack and score goals just like that. But for me, if I could sign any player, I would definitely always go defense because those are really the hardest positions to sign. And I would sign either two players. I would either get Bartra back because I loved Bartra. I loved his game. Or I would sign Godin. I love Godin and how rough and tough he is as a center back. He's been like that his whole career. He's Uruguayan, so he's, you know, he's super tough as well. And you know he's never going to lose a head ball. And that's really important in our team. You know, the rest of our team with Messi, you can put, you know, myself over there or um, Andres Gomez even, and he makes them look that much better. So for me, it's always important to have a strong defense. And I would either take Bartra back or sign Godin. Those are my two favorite center backs that outside of FC Barcelona that I would sign. That's really interesting. I was not expecting you to say that at all. Um, I would say personally, I would have gone for Isco because he's got something that um, we don't necessarily have in the squad now. Obviously, we are blessed that we still have Andres Iniesta, but let's face it, Father Time, he's not being very generous with him. And in terms of injuries, hopefully he doesn't pick up any injuries in the near future. But um, Isco, I think, because of what he has already achieved and what he could bring to Barcelona, he would be a great, great sign. And obviously, he's been a Barca fan all his life. He's got a dog called Messi, which I still think is amazing. Um, but now he plays for Madrid and he's excelling, particularly since Zidane has given him plenty um, of opportunities and trust. But, you know, he's a Madrid player now, so we have to move forward. Um, so let's just move forward, as I said, um, and look at this season. Obviously, Barca have got a new coach, um, not that new anymore, but new that coach that started the season with us. So um, what score would you give Valverde and his team for the time that this season has been so far? Um, I would definitely give it between a 7 and an 8 because, first of all, we haven't dropped points, and I think that's been the most important thing. Now, you know, you've talked about it, I've heard on your podcast, and we've talked about it, that obviously it's not the sexiest football we've ever seen, right? It's not this great tiki taco. Luis Suarez looks lost. Um, you know, we're not really getting goal production from different places, but our defense is much improved. We haven't given up these cheap goals like we did in the last couple of seasons. And of course, we're undefeated still. We, we've got points from every match, which is really, really crucial, especially when we're competing with uh, Real Madrid for La Liga title and Champions League. We're on top of champions. So I would, you know, right now I would say 7.5. I would just, I just want to see Semedo play more. And also I want to see De, uh, Defile. Oh my gosh. I, in my, in my podcast, I had a, such a problem saying 
Delafeu's last name. Everyone, all the listeners know. So we just nicknamed Deuces. So Delafeu, I wish he would play some more too as well. Yeah, I, I, I really found that hilarious how you just call him Deuce all the time in your podcast. It really is quite funny. Um, and I, I can realize why you do that now. Um, so yeah, you, you mentioned about the titles this season. So um, do you think Barca is going to run away with the treble? Or do you think we're going to walk away empty-handed or somewhere in between? So I don't think so. I don't think we're going to get the treble. Obviously, I hope and I wish and I want the treble. But realistically, I think we're always... Barcelona, for some reason, always seems to be more geared for La Liga, for the long haul. And whereas Real Madrid kinds of see to focus more on Champions League. Now, for me, I would love La Liga and Champions. I think those are both um, attainable goals. I, I, I think that we can do those. If we can get that, um, I would definitely consider this season a 10, a clear success. And uh, Valverde could be you know, one of the best managers we've had in the last couple of years, especially the way he handles the lineups. And we're going to see even more how he does that. But um, I don't think we're going to get the treble. But I, you know, obviously, I wish and want and hope. But we'll see what happens, especially in February and March, because that's when all the tougher matches in Copa del Rey and Champions League and La Liga will shake out. Yeah, I agree. I think it all depends on how much time Valverde actually has to build the team and, and make the team play the way that um, he envisions in his head. Obviously, he's done a lot of experimenting with the four-two-two. Sorry, with the four-four-two, with the four-two-three-one. Um, starting with the four-three-three, but he wasn't very comfortable with that. Um, and then, obviously, whether we get any injuries when it matters the most, um, whether Luis Suarez has, in a way, been brought back to life. Um, whether Messi continues to excel uh, throughout the whole season. Iniesta's health, I think, is crucial as well. So um, I really do hope for the treble, but I do agree that unless all of those pieces click together, it may not happen. So unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today, but I really would like you to tell us where can our listeners find your work um, so that they keep up to date with all your updates, Gabriel. Definitely. And I really appreciated uh, this interview and talking to you as always. Um, they can just follow us at our website, barsatalk.net. There you can find all our social media there. You can get um, iTunes subscription, everything. That's our, that's our mainstay. So on our website at barsatalk.net. Well, thank you. I'm also, um, to our listeners listening right now, um, I was fortunate enough to be part of the Barca Talk Show earlier in the week. Um, should have been published around Monday. Um, so if you go and check that out, you can obviously do that on iTunes as well. As you found us, you can find uh, the Barcelona Talk podcast as well. And um, there was an interview there. I took an Andre Gomez test. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go check it out because these guys really do know what they're talking about. They do a fantastic job and they love our club um, pretty much as much as we do. So, um, Gabriel, thank you for being here today and uh, hopefully talk to you next, next time. Thank you, Francesc, and we'll talk to you soon. We again want to thank at Barca Talk Pod and particularly Gabriel for sitting down with Frances and giving him his time. And we also want to plug again that we showed up, or should we say Frances at the time, showed up on at Barca Talk's most recent podcast. So you can take a listen to that as well on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or anywhere else. So collaboration, Frances, it's a beautiful thing. So now I guess it's time for you and I to collaborate and try to answer La Gran Pregunta or the key question of the week. And that is, will Barca win La Liga this season? Right. I don't have a crystal ball, um, but I think that Barca are definitely on the way to, um, to succeed again this season. Um, I think we need to separate it in different points here because, you know, otherwise we won't have an informed answer. Um, let's just start by talking numbers. So historically, good numbers in La Liga for Barca so far. Um, nine wins and one draw in the first 10 matches. Uh, that is equal in the best start ever. Uh, goal difference of plus 25. Um, and, and it is quite funny. I don't, know if, um, I don't know if funny is the right word, but probably funny as in strange. Um, Barca have hit the post 16 times this season in all competitions. Um, so that goal difference could actually be in the 41 already. Um, we are the top scoring team in La Liga with 28 and also we've considered the least goals with three. So if you're talking numbers and stats, Barca are definitely on the right track to, um, to win the treble again, really. Um, we are still um, in a great position in Copa del Rey after winning in Murcia and also leading in Europe. So undoubtedly, Barca have got everything it takes, theoretically and talking numbers in order to succeed. However, Barca are no longer playing the beautiful football anymore. 
Um, they are becoming much more of a solid team, which is capable of creating chances thanks to collective effort and the way the players sort of move forward together. And let's face it, um, Messi's brilliance. So my question is, will this approach actually work for the rest of the season? Well, we don't really know. Uh, I'm inclined to say it probably won't. But the thing is, the team is improving on a weekly basis. Uh, Ernesto Valverde has been trying different different ways to um, to field, to to arrange, and to distribute his his best eleven players or the eleven players he thinks should play in every given game. And I think that we can only become better with time. So for now, it looks and sounds quite positive, but obviously the football is just not as pretty as Cules have been used to in the last decade. And in particular, Frances, it's been less than beautiful on the road. At home, they're still playing with that same fluidity that we're used to, but they're not being as convincing on the road as we saw, particularly in the second half of the Athletic Bilbao match, where they were stuck in their own half for most of it. And I think tactically, the big part of it, the most important thing to see, and people realize is that you and I, we always like to wax poetic about the 4-3-3 and how the signing of Usmani Dembele was going to help with that 4-3-3 and he was going to be not a like-for-like replacement for Neymar, but he clearly is a guy who's going to be on the touchline and cut in with his left foot and everything was going to be right in the world in that 4-3-3. But because of Luis Suarez and Messi being the way he's being this season and playing the way that Valverde is choosing to play, they're using a 4-4-2. And so while Dembele being hurt has changed things, and you also have to remember that Philippe Coutinho was expected to be at the club at this point, and because he was never acquired, that changes things again. And so they don't really have the pieces that they were planning on playing with in their starting lineup. And even when they all come back, and let's say Coutinho, and I hate saying this, but let's say Coutinho is bought for just an absurd amount of money in January, or whatever that may be, the ideal formation for this set of players with Luis Suarez and Messi kind of behind him but next to him in the middle up top, it might be a 4-2-3-1 the way Valverde is trying to play where you can kind of use Busquets and Rakitic, Iniesta, Iniesta maybe out wide or Rakitic out wide a little bit or Sergi Roberto being a midfielder out wide if Semedo starts with him. And so there's different things that Valverde is able to do with that. And so it's not the traditional beautiful 4-3-3 as we know it to be. But yet, the way that Barcelona is playing, and just in their utter dominance, in that this is probably the best start ever, and not probably, statistically is the best start ever through 10 games that we've ever seen in La Liga with a plus 25 goal differential. They've won all their matches with the exception of the one draw against Atletico Madrid, who, as we said at the time, should be and is a title contender under Diego Simeone. So this is a team that is just thriving in the way that they're playing. And impressively, Francesca, and this will be a jumping off point to your response, Ernesto Valverde has been exactly the guy that Barcelona would have needed. And while a guy like even Rakitic, when he was brought as a transfer, is one of those traditional Barca snatching up a La Liga opponent and bringing in some guy from La Liga that might not have a global name, Valverde is kind of the same thing, where he didn't have that global managerial allure of coming to Barcelona, but he was a guy who knew La Liga really well, understood how to navigate through the table, and we're seeing exactly that with Valverde. He's a calming presence, a little less mercurial than Luis Enrique was with the media. So with the cloud of the political issues currently going on with Catalonia, Valverde has kind of helped the team just focus on their football and worry about each individual La Liga match and not get too caught up in Champions League and the trophies and trying to win everything in May. We're kind of just focused on the late October, early November time, and I'm enjoying that. Yeah, I am, I am enjoying that too. I think what you said makes perfect sense. Um, Valverde is just a normal guy. He's someone who has played football at professional level, obviously played for Barca in the late 1980s and early 1990s under Johan Cruyff, and that really helped him become the manager he is today. Um, he has been coaching for many years, and, and his experience hasn't always been in La Liga. Obviously, he was in Greece with Olympiacos. I think he won four different ligas in, in Greece, which is impressive. And he's never really had a chance to have a crack at a major club, but obviously he's with us now. Um, I think the fact that he hasn't jumped straight to a huge club helped him shape who he is as a manager. And uh, i got to be honest, I don't love the 4-4-2. 
um, I think that that formation makes us quite an ordinary team, you know, because a lot of teams play like that. And Barca, in my experience, have always been special, have always been a little bit different. And I think the 4-4-2 is not the best way forward if you want to be sort of a reference in world football. But I think that is not what Valverde is trying to do. What Valverde is trying to do is make the best out of his players that he's got at his disposal. And as you said, not having Neymar, having Dembélé injured and not signing Coutinho is definitely a factor to be played. I think that the 4-4-2 is not his choice as such, but I think he's trying to make the most out of a not that great situation in terms of squad quality and squad depth. Um, I would say that any any manager that plays Paulinho, Andre Gomez, and Rakitic at Barcelona, it's it's sort of asking for um, yeah, it's a bit suicidal, isn't it? It's, it's an impossible lineup, especially when you're trying to feed Busquets as well. But he made it work in Bilbao, and uh, I think that results up to this point, you you gotta take your hat off and say to the manager, okay, I don't quite agree. And I don't quite understand what you're doing half the time. Um, but, you know, rotation, all players seem fresh at the moment. Obviously, players like Semedo, players like Dennis, players like even Sergio Roberto, who's playing much more regularly now, they're not really sure whether they're coming or going yet. But I think that results, it's not that it's everything in football, but when you've got a perfect record and you've got Real Madrid eight points behind, then you can really complain too much about the manager. Um, in terms of the games that Barca have been playing lately, I think defensive control has taken a much more prominent role. Um, it's not just attacking all the time, but as you said, it's waiting back, it's um, you know responding to what the other drivers are giving you um, in order to build forward. I think one of the key elements of Valverde's team is that everyone's really hardworking and really competitive. And also there's a togetherness, a collective effort to take things forward. And uh, I think... Barca is just much more efficient than they have been in recent times. Yeah, I've got a few more little one-off points that kind of jump off what you had just said. Is that Valverde is getting his squad right. As much as you and I might cringe at a Andre Gomez with Paulinho and Rakitic next to each other, it's working. And he's getting the results. And at the end of the day, as a Kule, that's all you need to really have to worry about is just if the results are coming. And when you'll talk about Labolsa, of course, Mark... Andre Ter Stegen, which I know will probably be one of those names because of his performance against Bilbao, he stepped up when the team needed him too, where he's not one of those. And we answered this question, a listener question a few weeks ago, that he may not be one of those marquee goalkeeper top five names in the world, but he is good enough for Barcelona right now. And when the defense and PK might be out of form at the moment, Mark andre Ter Stegen is just soaring to the top. Another little point I'd like to make is that you had mentioned Real Madrid, And while Barcelona have hit the woodwork 16 times this season, which just shows that they could have even more goals than they have, Real Madrid on the other side of things is in a place that we are surprised to see them in after the Supercopa, where they really did look invincible and they manhandled Barcelona over those two legs. And even yesterday, we talked about Valverde getting his tactics correct this season, depend, no matter how, who he has to throw out on the field in the starting lineup, no matter what formation he has to use. Look at the games Zidane just had over the weekend against Girona, where Zidane just got his tactics wrong. He tried to fill up the midfield. We had Isco and Cruz and Modric and Casemiro, and he put them all in the midfield, and yet he didn't have enough bodies out wide to contend with Pablo Maffeo, who we saw shadow Messi the first time, and now he was working more, not necessarily shadowing Ronaldo for the greatest part of the match, but he definitely was around Ronaldo and it was more of a like-for-like like shadowing on the day, if you will. But Maffeo did a really good job to get forward, as did Aide Benitez on the other side. And so those two wingbacks was something that Zidane didn't deal with, and that was Zidane just getting his tactics wrong. And one little final aside to my aside, Frances. Pablo Maffeo, the player, the right-back, and the Man City-loaned player, who Pep Guardiola most likely will fit back into the squad next year if Pep Guardiola understands the quality the player has that he showed in the Liga so far. And Pablo Maffeo, right back, for me, Frances, feels like, I know we're both married now, but in our younger days where when there was that, you know, there was that girl in class who, you know, you might have thought you had a crush on her, but then you realize that she has a boyfriend 
And so that that makes you just want to have a crush on her even more. And that's kind of how Pablo Maffeo is, where I'm looking at this kid in La Liga who's playing in Catalonia for Girona, and you say, oh man, Semedo and Maffeo splitting time would be beautiful. Both young guys with Roberto being able to move fully into the midfield, but then you remember, oh right, he's going to be with Pep Guardiola and Manchester City most likely for a long time coming because he is a good, good young player. And so that's my little final aside, but Girona and Catalonia helped do the deed. And now I guess it's a perfect transition. I'll let you respond first, but that'll be our perfect transition for La Tabla where the first team, of course, eight points clear of Real Madrid, four points up on Valencia and Real Madrid not doing themselves any favors in this La Liga season so far. Of course. I think the love story with Guardiola and Maffeo is probably something we're not going to see. And I'm quite happy not to get involved in the love story because I've got, <laughs> I've got better things to do. But um, yeah, in terms of Real Madrid, there's an eight points gap. Um, we need to ask ourselves if that's going to be enough. I mean, they're a shadow of the team they were last season uh, because of the reasons you described. But I think they, when it matters, they're going to come back to form and they are going to pose a threat for the title, undoubtedly. Uh, obviously, they have now currently Real Madrid at eight points behind, and that's the biggest distance at this stage of the season since 2012. But if we go back to the time before then, it's 1999. So Real Madrid haven't, have only been this bad twice in the last 18 years. Um, looking at the table, as you mentioned, you've got Valencia as well. They really, truly look the real deal. They're still unbeaten after 10 games. So are we, but, you know, uh, it's remarkable for Valencia, who've had sort of weak seasons um, very recently. In the last five years, they've been terrible. So 24 points in 10 matches, 27 goals for and 11 against. I think that Valencia are playing gorgeous attacking football and the passionate fan base are going to make them a contender as well. And I do expect Valencia to go all the way. So coming back to the original question, will Barca win La Liga? I think that obviously it's very early to tell, but I think there is no reason to doubt that if the team continues to work cohesively, if Valverde continues to have that calm, composed leadership and Messi continues to excel, then there is no reason to doubt we will win La Liga this season. And uh, I hope to be right um, in the second part, because obviously when major clashes come, that's when in the season, that's when we will be able to tell where we are. But I think there is no reason to doubt that Barca can go all the way and regain the La Liga crown once again. Yeah, and in that table, while it hasn't been pretty as we started this podcast by mentioning, they're beating the teams that they've had to beat so far this year. And it's still only just about November. So you just have to hope that those results continue coming. And again, I'll keep saying it. I'm putting pressure on them. I really want to see Barca come out and have the kind of game they know they're capable of at Celta de Vigo because... I and my wife will be in attendance, so we really want to see a good match with that one. And the other the other final point I'll say on all that is that while I usually try to bring you down a little bit and everybody down a little bit from just going crazy about every single thing that Lionel Messi does every week, Princess, in every match, I again, because of the Celta de Vigo game watching it live, I had my wife watch this the weekend game for Bilbao with me and what she said when she was looking at some of the replays and really giving her focus to it, she was just surprised at the sheer amount of times that just Messi marvels you with those simple little touches, just the smallest little details, and he's so direct in what he does. And so against Girona, while Mark andre Ter Stegen was probably even better, there is just something about that Messi magic this season that has returned, and that's, I think, what gives me that extra little faith as a Kool-Aid. Yeah, I, I agree. I think your wife really knows a lot about football and uh, you're clearly educating her very well watching the best team in the universe. <laughs> well, not maybe best team in the universe, at least statistically the best team in the Liga as we transition to La Tabla. Eight points clear, as we mentioned, of Real Madrid, I said again, four points of Valencia and of course the normal suspects, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla and the like behind. And so Barcelona have a tough test against Sevilla coming up. But other than that, again, they've just been playing at a high level and Valverde is getting his tactics right. Let's shift over to talk about the Barcelona Femini, which still top their table after their big match of the season so far. A 1-1 draw with Atletico Madrid, their toughest test by far. A 27th minute goal from the left winger and the Brazilian Andresa Alves was canceled out by a 63rd minute equalizer from Atletico's Kenty Robles. But... Due to the goal differential, Barcelona's got a plus 26. Atletico Madrid has just a plus 15. 
That means they're still tied up 19 points apiece, but unlike the first team, the Femini are in a little bit of a dogfight, but their season is also rather early. So they've only played seven games so far in the campaign, and they've got a little bit of time, but again, they have a team breathing down their neck. Transitioning over to Barca B, they followed up a good 2-2 draw against Osasuna, who topped the Segunda Division. Currently at the time that they played that match, Osasuna, because of that draw, have now fallen to third on the table. And that was on the road, so away from home. Then they followed it up with a 1-1 draw at the Mini Estadia with Sevilla Atletico. The goal came from Carlos Alenia, who else, in the third minute. And with that Sevilla Atletico match, the worry is Sevilla Atletico, or Sevilla's B team, were last in the table, and clearly the worst in the Segunda Division. So with a young, inexperienced squad like Barca B has this season, it's actually probably not that surprising result that they have the kind of quality if they and the ingenuity to go against the top team in Segunda Division and get a result. But then in the same respect, they're at home and they struggle against the worst team in the table. And that just tells you what a young team is like. You have your highs, you have your lows, and you have to navigate those things throughout the season. The one piece of good news from Barcelona B is that Sergi Palencia has returned to the starting lineup at the normal right-back position, so we may see him moving forward in the Copa del Rey, particularly at the end of November. I'd expect to see him then. And as where they sit in the table, they sit in 14th on 14 points with Rayo Vallecano and Almeria, the next two upcoming on their league schedule. And those are teams that are right around them on the league table so they could get some movement And for context, they're five points below the promotion playoff spots, which obviously they can't be promoted because you can't have Barcelona and Barcelona be in the same division. And they sit three points above the relegation zone. So that's really the key number. You want to get farther and farther away from the relegation zone and stay in the Segunda division. That's great news, to be honest. I think that the fact that Barca B with all the youngsters, and obviously it's not everyone young from La Masia, because as we've spoken about in our podcast, um, there is a balance with more experienced players that have been signed this season and our, our own youngsters, homegrown youngsters. Um, I think it's great they can go to such an incredible um, competitive pitch as El Sadar in, in Osasuna in northern Spain and get a point. Obviously disappointing um, to hear that um, Atletico, Sevilla Atletico got points off them as well. But I think it's all about it's all about the process. You know, It's all about growing up. It's all about becoming more competitive. And I think... It, it would be good for them to remain grounded, to know that, yes, okay, if we don't perform to our best, then anyone can, can hurt us. And that's good learning going forward. Um, I think that 14th on the table, we shouldn't really be struggling for relegation at all. Um, obviously, long season to come, but I think the fact that Alanya, Arnaiz, obviously Palencia coming back, the old Vitinho, Uriol Busquets, they're all getting playing time. Um, I think it's very, very, very positive um, at Segunda División level as well, not Segunda B, which is the key point here. Yep, and so I think that wraps up La Tabla. And so at this point, we're going to shift gears and go to La Bolsa, and we've got some interesting names to mention, Frances. Let's get started with that. Right, so let's dive into it then. Um, The first player that's trading up this week is Sergio Busquets. He is the only one carrying the Barca essence forward, isn't he? Um... Obviously, he's missing Xavi and Iniesta desperately. Uh, we've been used to being without Xavi, which, you know, is it, it's not something we'll ever get used to. But we just have to get by and, and do our best without him. And obviously, with Iniesta being out of the team recently or throughout the whole week, then it's clear that Busquets is the one that's carrying that Barca DNA that the team so desperately needs. Um, this week, he's multiplied himself both in attacking and defensive transitions in order to compensate for the weaknesses that other people have had around them. Um, I think Busquets has once again proved that he is a key player and I really do hope that he enjoys health forever and ever and he never ever picks an injury because he is just essential to what Barca is and more importantly to what Barca wants to be. Our next player trading up is the one that always carries us through is Lionel Andres Messi. He is Barca's main main protagonist. He has been for many years, but especially this week, he has looked like, at times, our only attacking hope, to be honest. Um, he is the attacking reference um, of this team, and the team is built around him. Obviously, his new positioning in the center of the park up front um, gives him an even more key role to play, and uh, he is the reference for everything and everybody in the team. 
Um, the absence of Dembele due to injury. Obviously, Neymar left us in the summer. Iniesta has been absent as well. Um, and, you know, let's face it, the very horrendous, struggling Luis Suarez that um, Kules have been blessed at the moment um, is not helping Messi at all. It's not making his job any, any easier at all. Um, he is Barca's main hope up front and he's the most capable finisher we've got at the moment. And in a way, he's carrying the team, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he's got a huge amount of weight in terms of um, the success, in terms of results, not play, that Barca have had lately. Um, in the game against Bilbao, he created and scored pretty much both goals and uh, he was um, great and he carried the team through. Um, he didn't have the best games against Olympiacos as such, but then again, he was clearly the best Barca player on the pitch. So our last player trading up, so our third player, is Marc-André Ter Stegen. He had a game to remember, you could even say a career-defining game um, in San Mamés against Athletic. He had five crucial saves, he made five clearances, and uh, he was simply spectacular from the moment that the game started. Um, Ibarza came away from the Basque country with three points under their belt. That is certainly thanks to Ter Stegen's uh, brilliance and, and his awareness. He was sensational, really composed, and his reflexes were admirable once again. Um, he was, similarly to Messi, decent against Olympiacos. He wasn't as spectacular like no one in the team really was. But um, I think that because he's normally underrated and he's often overlooked, I think that it was great to give a, a big shout out to Marc-André Ter Stegen and what the German adds to the team is, is invaluable. So definitely Busquets, Messi and Ter Stegen are trading up this week. Now, Dan, what are your thoughts so far? Barcelona still, regardless of anything else, get results. And that's what they're getting, even then they're not playing their best. But Busquets is certainly getting to a point where he is quite informed. And the last point I'll mention is that I think that while Denis Suarez's stock didn't go up, Having played against Olympiacos, I think in that first half at least, he's shown that he has some stock worth looking at and checking back to. And so I hope that Denis Suarez gets a few more looks and appearances under Valverde very, very soon so that his stock can go up too. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so let's move on to uh, trading down, which is the part that I really don't enjoy doing. But I think it's in everyone's mind and we wouldn't be fair to ourselves or, uh, or you, our listeners, if we weren't doing this part. So... With zero starts, so trading down this week, we've got Luis Suarez. Um, it, it, there's nothing to waste about it. He must pick himself back up if Barca to be successful this year. You know, um, the team is becoming more solid. The team is, you know, not very vulnerable in defense. But unless we can put our chances away, the, the chances of success are just not as great as they should be. Honestly, he's been looking a shadow of his former self. Um, particularly against Olympiacos, he had a howler of a game. He was constantly mixing himself up. He was, he looked really anxious in front of goal. And he was just a mixture between anxiety, um, that frustration in order to, to get better. Um, he was maybe not feeling 100% in terms of fitness. Maybe he was just not, frust he was frustrated and not very pleased with the lack of fluidity in Barca's attacking third that, you know, um, held the team back throughout the game. But I think that overall, he, and, and you can make excuses for him, but overall, he did not look like a player that is fully deserving of starting every Barca game. And, uh, you know, we have defended him for, for a long time now. And it is not to take the great amount of goals and the fantastic legacy he's already cemented at the camp no but if we're going to analyze performances this week then it is fairly clear that Luis Suarez has been the weakest link by a mile in the current Barca squad and other than just benching Luis Suarez and playing Paco Acacer instead what can you do for Valverde I think it may be time to just give him a rest give him maybe two games off and see what happens when you throw it at Denis Suarez and Adela Feu both in the starting lineup or one in the starting lineup and one playing major minutes and now with Sergi Roberto and Andres Gomez out as well you'd have to expect that we're going to see Denis Suarez and Adela Feu getting the starts because Valverde at this point is running out of options and Luis Suarez I guess with the injuries too 
you just have to have him play through it. But it seems like he needs time away, and it's going to be interesting to see what Valverde does about that. And so now we'll transition to La Ronda, and we've got some good ones this week, Frances. From Ishmael, we'll start right away, try to keep these short. Should we be worried about Alex Vidal's social media activity? And for context, Vidal followed Sevilla on social media, but for me, Frances, you might agree, I'm honestly not worried after performance of Jose Arnaith and even a youngster like Sergio Gomez, who we didn't mention, winning the silver ball after the 5-2 loss to the U-17 England team in the U-17 World Cup with Spain. Sergio Gomez had both goals against England in that 5-2 loss, and even Denis Suarez isn't really getting enough playing time on the wing, and Dembele is coming back, and Sergio Roberto has been playing out wide in the 4-4-2, so I'm not too worried about Vidal whether or not he leaves in January or not. No, I'm not worried what he does in social media. For all I care, he can um, follow anybody it makes no difference to me Um, what I would like is that if he is to leave uh, we should be getting the money back that we invested Um, I think that's hopeful wishful thinking but um, I think that's anything that worries me at all Um, we can more than happily survive without him Uh, we just need to get some money back Ben asked how do you feel about Neymar regularly coming back to Barcelona training I think that Neymar can do what he wants Um, I think it's quite clear he's always done whatever he wanted He's got friends at the Camp Nou. If he wants to come back and say hi, uh, that doesn't bother me one bit. Um, obviously, if that affects concentration, that would be a different story. But no, no, he can do what he wants. Yeah, I agree. As long as he's not there to recruit, I don't care. doesn't matter to me. Nope. No one bit. Charlie Barca asks, this is a good one. We haven't lost this season, but yet haven't really convinced either. And that's kind of been what we've been talking about this whole show, Frances. But does Valverde know his best 11 yet? I don't think he does. I think that he looks at the players that are at his disposal, he looks at the, the team that he's playing against and then he acts accordingly. I think the 4-4-2 that played against, say, for example, Bilbao or last weekend uh, wouldn't have been the same team he would have played against, say, Eibar. So, no, I think he's doing putting everything into the same pot and then deciding accordingly. Rehan brings up an interesting point here. He says, our next four La Liga matches against Sevilla, Leganes, Valencia and Celta de Vigo and PK and Umtiti both have four yellows. Should they both get yellows next La Liga game? Well, yes, to that, that would be a little bit of collusion, and that would lead to some lengthy suspensions if you purposely are known to do those things. But I would say that, no, you just keep playing the, the, the season as is. And Mascherano has been in good form. So if one of them has to sit because of suspension, so be it. And Mascherano, I don't think you need to sign a backup because even though the Colombian, Yuri Mina, might be on his way, Mascherano has been good enough. Yeah, I think that wouldn't really be relevant until the week before El Clasico, which I believe is the 23rd of December. Um, if that is, if this is still the case at that point, then you need to start calculating. But until then, now nah, Mascherano has been great and uh, it looks like Vermalen can actually play as well. Um, <laughs> don't know, we don't really know how long for, but um, he was decent in La Copa. So no, I think they just play and if they get yellow carded, so be it. So we've got a good one from one of our Patreons, and we want to thank our Patreons in particular for giving of their resources and supporting the show in the special ways they do. So we have a special one from our Patreon in Blessed Guebo, and he asked a number of questions, so I'm just going to go with the first one, and it's how do you join a Pena, and where can you find out where the Penas are, Frances? That is a great, great question. I think all you do is just Google it, Google Pena, P-E-N-Y-A, and Barcelona, and then you type your location, and there is likely to be a Peña near you. I, I do think that Blessed Webo lives in Africa, um, so there may not be that many there, but I know for a fact there are Peñas all over Africa. I just don't know exactly where he lives, but I think just do that. And uh, even if you need to join a Peña vir- virtually, you can do that. I mean, if you want to join us at Peña Blaurana London, you're more than welcome. Um, the discussion on the Facebook group is, is obviously very current and very engaging, but um, you can join anyone. I know that Peña, Blaurana, Washington, D.C., the L.A. Peña, the New York City Peña, Dallas Peña, Fresno Peña are regularly engaging with us via Twitter. So either one of those do work. And otherwise, you know, just choose something that's closer to home. But all you need to do is go to the website, fill in a form, and I think that should be it. Um, some peñas require you to go there in person, but I think, you know, all it is is sharing your love with Barca, so it really doesn't matter where you come from as the Barca anthem actually sings. All right, so we have time for just a few more. Here's another good one. Tharon 
asked, what is your thought about benching Suarez and playing Denise and Delefeu as wingers with Messi as that false nine as he's been doing? Is it time to bench Suarez? I, I wouldn't bench Luis Suarez, no. Um, I think that he hasn't been the best. He's been struggling lately, but I think benching him will be counterproductive. What he needs to do is get his groove back on, and he's not going to do that on the bench. And um, if you do bench Suarez, then you're probably going to upset Messi as well. So I think, of course, sub him when he's been appalling, like it happened last weekend. Um, but no, I think keep him in the team unless he needs to go for his um, operation and actually get better and from this ongoing injury that, that he's sort of complaining about. But if he's not going to do that, then no, keep him in the team, but um, hold him accountable and help him excel because if Barca are to be successful this season, we need the best Luis Suarez we can possibly have. Just time for a few more. Kule for life asked, are Barca hiding a huge problem getting by with wins or this is just Valverde style? And actually, instead of answering that one, I'll direct Kule back to the beginning of our episode where we really did kind of break that one down. So moving on to Ayush, he asked, what makes Barca's technical staff and Valverde believe that Andre Gomes has gotten everything to succeed in Barca, where his stats show that he's neither clinical with his passes or shots in front of goal, and he mostly plays those horizontal passes without any effectiveness and low work rate. And the one caveat to that, I would say Valverde and staff are clearly seeing something. And I think that the work rate, I don't think it's a low work rate. I think he is working very, very hard. You could tell when he's on the pitch that he really is showing a desire to get after it defensively and to try to help the team and to make those forward runs. And he's been very versatile, whether he's playing on the wing, he's just trying to get those runs into the box. And I think he's been in the right spots but I think to Ayush's point, much like Luis Suarez, he is at the moment not playing with any confidence. So I think Andre Gomes, if he for once ever played with that confidence, that maybe it could work. But as I said in last week's show, I don't think he has that Barcelona DNA, but I think he's still a serviceable player. He probably doesn't. And we spoke about that in length in a previous episode. But I think that, you know, he's trying his best. Uh, I don't think that he's being passive as such obviously sometimes he can look it because of the way that he is really but um no i think valverde didn't sign the player he came to barca when you know gomez was already here if you had to pay 35 million euros for gomez right now it wouldn't happen but that's what what's what we've got and that's what valverde has to deal with so he's just maximizing um, a player that he's got at his disposal and um hopefully for everyone's benefit he will succeed on doing that and gomez will become a much more effective player going forward. So that'll wrap up our listener questions. La Ronda was pretty fun. We got a lot in there today, Frances. We did, and we're really grateful for all the questions. Um, keep them going for the next show, guys. That's really, really encouraging. And again, just like Blessed Guebo, if you have the opportunity, help us out on Patreon. Help us continue to make these new shows and help our Barcelona community continue to grow as well. You can do that. Also, by going to iTunes, leaving us a review, please, some five stars if you can, and let us know your thoughts on the show with some nice little feedback. So that'll do it. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No. Until next time, which is next week, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza. Barca.